Welcome to the Investors Chronicle podcast. I'm Taha Lokandwala, Deputy Personal Finance Editor, and joining me today is Chris St. John, Manager of the AXA Familyton Midcap Fund, and soon to be Lead Manager on the AXA Familyton UK Select Opportunities Fund. Welcome, Chris. How are we doing? I'm very well, thank you. We're here today to talk about the UK equity market, but also um, about the funds you currently manage and the ones you're going to manage in the future. It's quite an interesting time to be uh, having this discussion, I think. Hope you agree, because the UK equity market is in a bit of a confusing state. Returns for firms with foreign earnings have been boosted by sterling depreciation since the EU referendum in June 2016. But at the same time, the economic outlook for the UK has become a bit muddled with uncertainty over the country's future trade relations. Surveys of investors around the world show UK equities as one of the least desirable assets to own, and even UK investors have been selling UK equities at an alarming rate. But despite this, the market has somehow and somewhat trundled on. Many now look at UK equities as oversold with some attractive valuations. Of course, though, with every valuation opportunity is a potential value trap. So, Chris, obviously you are a US UK stock picker. When you look at your holdings and your portfolio and you look at the opportunities out there, what's the, uh, what's the valuation story saying to you right now? Yeah, the, the valuation story, I think, is very interesting as ever and, and will always elicit plenty of debate. It's certainly true to say that the UK market's incredibly out of favour. You've seen that from the capital flows out of UK uh, funds over actually several years now, people allocated towards uh, towards global funds. When I've been speaking to clients abroad, the main issue with the UK market seems to be sterling. They actually see the investment case uh, quite clearly, I think, on a, on a number of levels. But what worries them is that by buying sterling assets, effectively the UK stock market, what they might gain on the capital appreciation there, they, they lose um, on the sterling. Sterling drops, of course, uh, it tends to benefit the FTSE 100 um, in terms of their earnings, given 70% of the all-share earnings come from outside of the UK. Uh, so as a consequence of that, uh, sterling weakness is actually you know, beneficial to the stock market. It's, it's an interesting conundrum that we have to, to kind of deal with there. Obviously, luckily for UK investors, less so, so we can kind of take sterling depreciation with a with a bit of celebration, apart from making holidays more expensive. So, but what in, in terms of the fundamentals and like earnings growth and, and your portfolio, what, what are we seeing uh, and generally elsewhere? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say perhaps I'll sort of revert back to your, your, your prior question on sort of overall valuation of the market. You know, where does that leave the UK market? Now, calling market levels is not something I spend very much time doing. I don't think I can predict that very well and in fact in the mid cap space it's um given the changes to the index it's um you know i can't even predict what stocks are going to be in the index so therefore um uh, trying to ascertain the levels very very difficult but having said that there's um, some work done recently by citigroup uh if you look at the all share relative to its history on a number of metrics it doesn't look particularly expensive neither does it look particularly cheap however if you look at the bond yield on the market and particularly the spread between the earnings yield of the market and uh, gilt yields for example the market has only looked cheaper twice in history and that's world war one and world war two and if you use uh, their analysis and look at the future returns suggested by the level of the market on the basis of income um, then the returns look pretty good going forwards and they suggest 10 percent annualized returns for the next 10 years well, that's, uh, so that's quite a big jump, especially, I mean, I say but the UK equities have a half-decent run in the past few years, but still nothing of that level. So I assume you're suggesting here, and as Citigroup is suggesting, that we could see some sort of revision uh, at some point from the, the current valuation levels that we're at there. 
Yeah, it's again, it's it's very very difficult to call a whether there'll be a reversion, uh, what triggers it, and and um, and to what degree it happens. Um, as I say, it, you know, it, it, it's it's difficult to understand what what would change sentiment dramatically. Um, certainly, clarity on uh, you know trading relationship with Europe, uh, stability of sterling. A belief that uh, the environment is supportive for, for businesses uh, and business growth in particular, because I would argue that ultimately what drives equity returns, uh, and you can see this very clearly, uh, it's very clearly demonstrated through the mid-cap space, is that the, the profit growth, compounding profit growth, and the div- compounding dividends that can be paid off the back of that profit growth is ultimately what drives equity values, provided, of course, country companies themselves have sufficiently strong balance sheets for those profits to accrue to the equity holders and not just to the debt holders. I mean, that leads me nicely onto my next question, which was like, how do you factor everything we've just spoken about when you're putting your portfolio together? You predominantly have been known as a mid-cap manager and you've been, you know, working in the the all-cap space and soon to be taking over the multi-cap select opportunities fund. So when you're looking at this, uh, how are you kind of balancing up valuations and growth prospects especially with so much uncertainty around yeah very much as i expect you'd expect me to say a stock by stock uh, basis uh you know spend a lot of time meeting company management teams chief exec finance director trying to ascertain uh the quality of uh the management of the businesses the business models themselves how well capitalized uh the businesses are and whether or not they can take advantage of uh, the opportunities before them We tend, I think, to look at things like interest rates and market levels uh, and and make, generally speaking, quite short-term calls on the stock market. When you're immersed in it and investing, it feels very different. You know, the big drivers that are out there, for example, you know, technological change, you know, artificial intelligence, uh, aging populations, emergence of middle classes globally, increasing personal, personal disposable income. These are big trends and thematics that sit outside of Brexit. And there are many companies throughout the UK market capitalization spectrum that are dealing, uh, you know, that are that are um, that are uh, benefiting from these opportunities ra- rather than rather than necessarily uh, businesses that are, um, you know, have you know, structural headwinds. You know, and that's the great thing about being a stock picker and an active fund manager is that you can steer clear of those business models where there are structural headwinds. I um, mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Debenhams recently. Now, I happen to think Debenhams is, is well-managed. Um, having said that, the, the headwinds they have from, you know, the well-publicised changes to uh, con- consumer spending behaviour brought about by the internet, uh, the, the huge lease portfolio they have around their neck, which I think leads to sort of structural uh, lack of competitiveness in the market so they operate are just headwinds that even with a good management they just can't overcome okay uh, and with your experience of operating across the spectrum in terms of cap size the kind of themes these kind of really strong business models that we're seeing are we more likely to see them in the, the mid cap space right now or are we are we talking large caps as well or even further down the spectrum to yeah. smaller micro caps yeah, the the mid cap is very well. I say it would over index in those types of businesses, and particularly those companies that are growing their earnings and uh, offering compounding earnings growth to equity investors. Having said that, these opportunities are available throughout the market capitalization spectrum. 
I currently manage a multi-cap fund. It's an offshore fund, and 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 really, what I'll do what I do in that fund, and what I'll do in with the UK Select Opportunities Fund, which is which is what Nigel has done for for many many years. Uh, Nigel Thomas, the lead manager, um, and I've worked with him for now for fourteen years. Is really apply the same investment philosophy and process that I have in the mid cap that he has in UK Select Opportunities to find these businesses throughout the market capitalization spectrum which have very similar characteristics okay great um thank you for that um so yeah i was um i wanted to come and talk to you about nigel so obviously the big news for you and the uh, the axa famlington uk equities team has been um the nigel thomas who you know many of our listeners and readers will know has been a, a uk equity stalwart um he's retiring in march next year uh, Chris, you're taking over his uh, his famous UK Select Opportunities Fund. You've worked with him on the fund uh, for for many years, as you said. So, and in preparation for this, as you said, you've been running the AXA World Funds Familyton UK Fund, which is offshore, so it's not available to UK UK investors in the retail space. But it's been giving you a taste for some multi cap investing. In terms of recent performance for Select Opportunities, which you and Nigel run, I think. It, I think it's fair to say it's not exactly been stellar, especially compared to its long-term track record and more recently compared to the index, uh, the FTSE All Share and other UK equity investors. But that isn't representative of what you and Nigel, uh, particularly Nigel over his tenure, have done over the long term where his record is exceptional. It's always had a tilt to mid-caps. As you said, it's been quite good at finding uh, opportunities in the mid-cap space and the all-cap space and driving that outperformance above the FTSE All Share. What I find interesting is, though, since you've been running your offshore fund, is that you have outperformed the Select Opportunities Fund. So that's since March 2016, you've delivered 30% compared to 17 for Select Opportunities. Your offshore fund has a slightly more mid-cap bias than Select Opportunities does at the moment. So I suppose what is interesting is whether investors in Select Opportunities right now, of which there are, are many, are likely to see some changes in Select Opportunities that might then start to mirror more of what we're seeing in your offshore fund and even the mid-cap fund that you run as well. Yeah, I think the first thing to say is that from a stylistic perspective, UK Select Opportunities, uh, mid-cap fund and my offshore multi-cap fund are very, very similar. If you look at uh, the two most comparable funds, which would be UK Select Opportunities and, and the offshore multi-cap fund, they're very very similar and and if so if you look at metrics like earnings growth of the companies in aggregate uh, it's higher than the market driven principally by revenue growth you know the companies are investing uh, investing in are themselves investing uh, because if we want to have a three to five year investment horizon and you know some companies i've held for 20 years they need to be investing to make that growth sustainable so very very similar from a growth perspective very similar from a return on equity return on capital employed perspective very similar from a balance sheet strength perspective as well companies in uk select opportunities and my offshore fund generally speaking have got stronger balance sheets than the market and that's something that we hold very close to our hearts the mid cap exposure currently in uk select opportunities in the offshore fund are actually pretty similar there's not 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 much difference um there is a slight difference however in the FTSE 100 holdings the uk select opportunities i think has about 45 percent plays about just under 40% for 
my offshore fund. Now, that's in my mind, that's a sort of similar number. And it's worth pointing out that the majority of the FTSE 100 exposure comes from companies that have very similar characteristics to those mid-cap companies, and in many cases are companies that have been promoted. So companies like Ashtead, for example, Rent-A-Kill, these are businesses that have been promoted from the FTSE 250 mid-cap space and so make up some of that FTSE 100 balance of UK select opportunities. So I think my overall message was no change from a stylistic perspective. You know, I was very lucky that Nigel appointed me to be the number two in his fund. I think he's public. Well, I know he's publicly said that he's keeping all his money in the fund. Um, So there's going to be no big bang here, no big change to the style. Having said that, it is natural to assume that over time the fund will change and that will be driven by opportunity as much as anything. And my natural inclination is to recycle capital from the FTSE 100 and put it lower down the market cap spectrum. But it's an iterative process. It takes time and it's uh, based on opportunity. It might be worth pointing out to listeners that some of the biases within UK select opportunities also exist within my offshore fund as well. And that principally because we're stock pickers, because you know we're we're fully aware of what's in the all share index, but we try and think about investment in terms of absolute risk, absolute return. So we have some quite big variances between the fund and the all share index. So we're very underweight FTSE 100. So to illustrate that, 40% of the offshore fund is in the FTSE 100, which makes it a 30%. Uh, sorry, probably 40% underweight, so significantly underweight FTSE 100. And that underweight is driven principally by the mega caps. So UK select opportunities historically has been underweight, you know, the miners, the banks, the oil companies, and I would expect that to remain the case going forward as we look to find those companies with those secular growth drivers lower okay. down the market cap. Okay, so it's interesting to hear that. I mean, as I suppose many people expected with you being appointed to replace Nigel as lead manager, that they were still going to keep that mid-cap core to the Select Opportunities Fund, which is what's been principally responsible for, for the outperformance over the long term, particularly since the mid-caps did so well in the early part of this decade. In terms of what you've experienced since March 2016 and uh, and taking and, and launching this this offshore fund and all-cap investing, do you, um, do you see any notable differences between having a mid-cap focus and then perhaps looking into the, the large and giant cap space as well? Not not really. If I go back to when I was managing just small cap money, you have to think globally and think, you know, all share, really, multi-cap, even as a small cap investor. You know, if you have an investment in something like Kranswick, for example, which people um, perhaps haven't heard of, but they, um, they've, they're really responsible for all the premium sausages that you'll eat in supermarkets. Uh, now, to really get an understanding of Cranswick, it's very helpful to go and meet Tesco's, for example, um, to get an understanding of that how they are looking to maximise value through own label, how they're looking to um, move uh, products up to a sort of premium level and, and segregate uh, individual product lines as well into sort of good, better, best. So it's really important to look at supply chains look at people at the top of the of the food chain as it were which are often the bigger companies in order to get a better understanding of the opportunities and risks lower down the market cap scale so so many of these companies i've seen over a pretty prolonged period of time uh, what about in terms of liquidity because uh, one thing i did wonder with uh, whether the fact that you had uh, slightly more in 
and I say PGA is only slightly more in the mid cap space in your offshore fund compared to select opportunities is the size difference. Obviously, select opportunities is uh, is well over two billion, whereas the offshore fund is is significantly lower than that. Is that something that you have um, you have to factor in when you take over select opportunities? Uh, to some degree, I mean, my style lends itself, I think, to running bigger funds. The funds that are in the public domain are not the only ones I manage. Um, so I'm giving up. Um, I'm giving up some clients and changing the emphasis on a couple to to try and you know deal with some of that problem so so the actual net increase in the assets i manage won't be won't be huge and certainly won't be unmanageable but you know you know equities are they are a long duration investment it takes time for the compounding to work in your favor as an equity holder you have to be led by opportunity and you you have to be patient um and if your investment horizon is prolonged, as as Nigel's is, as mine is, uh, and the trading side of the fund is not, you know, we don't make money through trading, then it does lend itself to larger funds. It's not something that, that particularly worries me. Looking into the future, and with select opportunities in particular, how do you want it to be known? Because I think it's fair to say that it's lost a bit of its sparkle with investors uh, in the, in more recent years, uh, obviously mainly down to some kind of sector biases that haven't benefited you. You mentioned the miners earlier. So in terms of where you want it to be in terms of people's portfolios, is this is this a core fund? Is this a, a growth fund? Is it a mid-cap fund with a large-cap balance or a large-cap fund with a mid-cap growth core? How do you, how do you see it? Genuine multi-cap product focusing on companies that are growing their earnings compounding their earnings compounding their dividends so yeah certainly a, a growth fund and across all the funds you're running and the, the, obviously the mandates that you do on the side what are the the companies and the the opportunities and sectors that really excite you at the moment comes back to stock specifics I mean, we've always been pretty overweight industrials uh, and underweight some of the sectors that i mentioned earlier but that's that's principally because that's a sort of market sector where we do see a lot of opportunity and also a very wide array of businesses with 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 many different profit drivers um, a lot of the overweight comes from support services where we have very diverse companies i mean gkn was in support services which really is an engineer focusing on uh, automotive which is now within uh, melrose rent kill people may have heard of that company and pest control indeed so i think it's a popular stock that one i'm sure there's been some managers on these podcasts before that have owned rentagill uh yeah it comes up quite a lot i think yeah 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 it's a very interesting uh you know it plays it has very strong thematics you know i was lucky enough to holiday in vietnam recently and uh, i was talking to a number of uh people about how acceptable it is to have rats running around restaurants now and it's certainly becoming a lot less acceptable than indeed, it was indeed. so um so there are many top-down drivers and and you know there are there are subtleties about the business model uh in terms of driving profitability through root, root density uh and, and the cash generative nature of the business model that i think gives us a pretty long runway in terms of, of giving you access to that compounding growth and are there any other areas of stocks that you think are interesting are the ones that you have bought into recently yeah for, further you know i've sort of mentioned stock um uh, being driven by stock specifics uh, you know also driven by uh, the thematics to some degree you know, and i mentioned some of the headwinds in the high street relative perhaps to some of the tailwinds that a company like rent to kill uh, is seeing you know i remain very interested in companies with what i call sort of new business structures you know these are companies that didn't really exist 20 years ago businesses like right move we've done very well out of auto trader 
on the beach, which is held within my offshore fund, but not UK select opportunities. Is that likely to change, do you think? Or potentially (laughs) but it's um but you know these are businesses that have been able to scale on really you know very low levels of capital very cash generative businesses in the case of right move you know incredibly high ebitda margins which transfer into cash no real need for these businesses to carry debt um so they're very equity friendly investments so businesses with those kinds of structures i'm very interested in and that again is perhaps why having a multi-cap focus is relevant because you're likely to see more of these businesses coming in lower down the market cap scale and because they can scale on low levels of capital uh, the equity value has a chance to expand very quickly okay that does bring into an interesting question in terms of now you'll be lead manager on the Farmington mid-cap fund and the uk select opportunities fund is how much we're going to see initial investments done via your mid-cap fund which then get promoted to select opportunities or do you think because it's an all-cap fund you can make investments from both funds into a company at the same time how, how are you going to manage that yeah it could potentially in you know we could potentially make investments in the same company at the same time in the mid-cap space okay yeah. um but as a as a team do you do you see promotion from one to the other as a, as a strategy or is no. that not something you do no 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 that, that's just that's just an event I, I i try not to get bogged down in index changes um in the same way i don't try and get bogged down in trying to match sector weightings in the fund um it's all about the you know the merits of the individual business and trying to think about that absolute risk absolute return and and if you could pick up a fund and look at the businesses and say would i own those if they were private then and if the answer to that question is yes and i think you're sort of some way to being on the right direction Okay. Thank you, Chris. That's been really interesting to chat to you about. And thank you very much for taking the time to uh, come and speak to us, especially as you uh, work your way to a new fund, which I believe you're taking over at the end of the year. I take over at the end of the year, yes. Yeah, and yep. then uh, Nigel is retiring in March, and I'm sure to much fanfare in the office. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Unfortunately, that does bring us to the end of today's podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a good week.